Can we pray together, y'all? Let's pray. God, we are so thankful to celebrate the beauty of who you are, to worship you. Lord, we pour out our praise unto you, Father, for you are worthy, worthy, worthy. Now, Lord, as our minds have have tried to align with our mouths that are singing unto you and our, our hearts that are wanting to worship you, would you allow it not to stop when the song ends, but worship to continue during this time, that our hearts and our minds might be open to hear from your scriptures that would encourage us and equip us to live for you. It's in your beautiful name we pray, Jesus. Amen. I was uh, blessed to serve in an educational school system for a while, and in, in my classroom, I had a bunch of craziness going on. One of the things that would take place is uh, we, we, we had something like a recess. I mean, I had older kids, but my school system was for children that once they were uh, uh, kicked out of public school, they came to our school. They had uh, uh, a variety of, of issues that we were working with them on. Uh, But one thing that would happen during the week is we would have a time of recess. Sorry, recess is for elementary. I don't know what you call it when you get older. But we had a gym downstairs. We would go hoop. And so I would say, hey, y'all, okay, it's time to get ready for gym. It's time to get ready for recess. And without a doubt, the guys would all jump up, run, knock over desks, push each other out the way, run to the door. I'm like, whoa. I, I forgot, like, the, the early stages of education. You got to have classroom management, right? Because they knocking over my staplers, my water on my desk everywhere, apples flying, they wrestling. They're, but it's just their excitement. They're not mad. They're not angry. They're not trying to be defiant. They're just ready to go hoop. But Teacher Leon had to calm it down. You know what, guys? Now, when I make this announcement... The person closest to the door will go first, next after him second, after that third. And before I knew it, I had an orderly line. I had to get some laws in place, some rules in place to be able to get them to to achieve the goal that they actually wanted. I see it in Christian circles sometimes. I see Christians be like, hey, you know what? We don't really need laws. We don't need, need any rules. All we need is love. All we need is love. Can't we just love one another? Didn't Jesus place the Holy Spirit in us and we're just good with love? And so you'll see throughout generations, different groups try to just kick it based on love. Our most recent understanding of that happened kind of in the 60s with, with, the, with the hippie communes, right? So you get the hippies, everybody just loving one another. We're just going to do life and love one another. And what happens? At some point, your understanding of love and mine collide. So it's supposed to be a community meal. Everybody brings something. And then what happens when the brother who doesn't bring anything keep eating first? (laughs) Sooner or later, the community says, we got to establish some rules. We got to establish some laws. Family today As we get into our text, as we dive into the gospel, we will be examining God's law, his covenant law, him communicating his love for his people by providing them order, by providing them order. But in order to do that, in order for you to understand God's covenant law, his his love for his people communicated in his scriptures, we got to spend some time 
understanding what is law. Because we don't even know how to love one another well when we're trying to love one another. We don't even know exactly how to do that well without clear communication for how we should, how I best receive love. I'll give you an example. So I, uh, I'm one of your pastors. I'm blessed to serve under Pastor Eric. And maybe I have done something kind to you. Maybe I, maybe I blessed you in one way or another. And so you know me, you know your pastor. The thing I love are some good desserts. I love sweets. You know it. And so maybe you want to respond and say, out of my appreciation, I'm going to make pastor a cake. And so you add the sugar, you add all these different things, you, you take the dough and you, you hook it up and then you add a little peanut butter to the, to the moist cake. You put your chocolate on top and you drizzle a little peanut butter on top just to, just to set it off, you know. And then you come and you present that cake unto me. And though I'm joyous that you thought of me in this way, I'm allergic to peanut butter. I, I, I can't even, I can't receive fully what you are trying to present to me as an act of kindness and of thankfulness. You see, family, we believe that sometimes our motivation automatically makes our gifts acceptable. We believe that because I tried and I tried to be a good person, I tried to do it a good way, that automatically you should accept it. If it doesn't work with me and peanut butter, how do we think it's going to work with a beautiful and holy God as we are his people? You see, the law that God lays out, he's laying out that law so that everyone would clearly understand how you love me. You want to love me? Here's how you do it. You want to love me? Here's some of the ways in which it takes place. Now, you're going to say, Pastor, this isn't our, our usual flow. We usually uh, dive right into the text. And, and, and trust me, we're going to get to that point. But, but we have such a jaded view of the law that we got to spend time unpacking law and, like, renewing our minds to be on the right, the right page so that when we dive into all of of the Ten Commandments and the laws that will flow out of that, uh, we can have God's proper perspective. We've been uh, going through Exodus, and we've been uh, covering the past 19 chapters. And in those beautiful 19 chapters, we see a story of a God setting apart a people for himself. He does that, and, and not only does he set them apart, he actually defeats their enemies. So the people of God are saved from the bondage of slavery. But it ain't all good, right? I mean, we see the Israelites complain. We see them get mad when, uh, when things don't go the way that they think they should, they should. And so we get this awesome, great, like, picture of, 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 of real people, of real people that are, that are struggling with what it looks like to submit to a holy God who's provided them the best thing they could have in the world, which is freedom. But now, as we're going to jump into, the, into chapter 20 in a little bit, chapter 20 is a shift in the book of Exodus, okay? Now this shift takes place, and, and, and a lot of you guys were at the wedding that I was blessed to officiate a few, a few weeks ago. Away we go, away we go. Um, our, our friends Jenny and Johnny, you know, and... Uh, and during their wedding, they did some things. They did, 
vows. They did a, uh, a declaration of intentions. Uh, they had a wedding charge. There were, there were all these things that were present within their marriage ceremony to communicate how they were going to treat one another based on a new level of intimacy that they were entering into. It was a new covenant, a new, a, a, a new way of life, no longer single, now committed to you forever, and this is the way that I'm going to treat you. That same type of new covenant, that same new reality where it's pretty clear what the expectations of marriage are, well, family, it wasn't that way for the people of Israel. They didn't have this clear understanding of of how to worship God in the way that he desired. They're ready to run up the mountain, and God says, touch this mountain, you're going to die. And so so now God is trying to communicate through his law, there's a new level of intimacy. I set you apart for a reason. There's a new depth that I'm taking you to, and I want to communicate clearly to you how to love me well. And so there's two ways in which we can understand the law, okay? There's two ways. There's structure of the law, and there's the intent of the law. Structure of the law and the intent of the law. Now, um, maybe some of you have entered into a contract before. Maybe you bought some furniture. Maybe you bought a car or a house, or you had someone do some work on your home. Uh, when you, when you set up a contract, and, and, and forgive me, because I got a lot of lawyers in the room, and they're like, you better be right, bruh. Watch what the next words are. <laughs> but, but when you set up a contract, you don't usually say something like, uh, I would like you to fix the thing, and I'm going to pay you the money. I, 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 hope you do the, I hope you do the job, and then we'll give you the funds. Like, like that's, that's foolish, right? Because it's not clear. What is the job? What is the time span? What is the amount that you're going to get paid? Like a, a contract is a very clear and articulate way to make sure everybody understands what's expected of them. Well, when God communicates the beauty of his laws, he does the same way, but it's through something called a covenant. And we build a lot of our, our concept of contracts flows from the concept of covenants that were established back in antiquity. I want to show you like just some of the components of a contract uh, that, that, excuse me, of a covenant that Dr. Stewart uh, has, has listed out. It's just say, uh, hit, hit me with that next one, JD, of the covenant is one through six. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, let me hit that. So what's a covenant? A covenant is, is an arrangement between two parties. It's involving mutual obligation, especially the arrangement that established the relationship between God and his people, expressed in grace first with Israel and then within the whole church. So there's two, two parties. But what, what would a covenant look like? Here's some, some key components. You got a, a preamble that you know who's in it, prologue that tells you the relationship of the people, uh, the stipulations, you have witnesses, you have a uh, uh, document clause so that the, the covenant can be replicated so that other people can, can, can do it. And then you have the, the blessings or the sanctions. And so why am I going through all this? We're not going to cover it all. But we do want to cover the first two points which apply to our text for today. The preamble. 
God is trying to communicate in the beauty of his word today. He's communicating a love relationship with his people. And he's saying, I clearly want you to know that you're entering into a relationship with me, the God who's created all things. But then there's something called uh, the prologue, and the prologue establishes the relationship, okay? It establishes the relationship. Now, sometimes we think we got a little more swag than we have. Let me give you an example. How many of you have ever bought a car before? Okay, so now if, 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 if you bought a car from Ford, you actually think you have some swag. You think you have a little bit of uh, confidence. So you walk into the dealership thinking that, you know, your little $20,000 is going to do something because $20,000 for you, that, that's a lot of money. Okay, that's a, that's a lot of dough. But Ford made $7.4 billion last year. billion, but we think we have the control, right? You see, you you might save your little 300, 500, save a thousand, but Ford, really, really, and really they're the ones who are in charge. They give you the contract. They tell you how much your payments are going to (laughs) be, and they tell you how long you're going to owe them. You see, in a, in a suzerain relationship, in this relationship, there was, a, there was a suzerain king and a vassal king. You had the suzerain was the king that says, I'm in charge of everything. But you know what? What I want to do is extend my kingdom. And so I will enter into a covenant with you. Even though you have less, I will enter into a covenant with you. Why? Because you are in a location that I am not. And so you will extend my kingdom and become a kingdom advancer for my sake. But now what happens to you as a lesser, as a vassal? You enter into this covenant and you're like, well, I I thought I had some swag, but next to big suzerain, I don't. But guess what? Now I'm protected. Now I'm cared for. Now I'm resourced in a way that I never was before. So now this relationship, while it's both parties benefit, it's clear that there's a leader and there's, there's one who receives care and is protected. God is communicating through his scripture today that he is the suzerain. He's the one that is, that is in control and wants to allow the people of God to be his kingdom advancers, those that will reflect him out in the world. And so the, the, the Bible communicates clearly and God is communicating clearly that, 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 hey, this law that I have created, I'm desiring so that you would understand and know how to love me clearly. But then there's a, a component called intent. And, and, and the intent uh, is that all the laws that God has would actually lead to bring him glory. Okay? All the laws that, that he has would lead to bring him glory. Uh, my kids in the room, I know it's hot. Y'all don't know what Pastor's talking about. Y'all started daydreaming. My kids in the room, got a question for you. My eyes rest in my what? Come on, kids. Y'all can answer. Come on, Connor. 
Brain, yep, yep. But in what? But uh, my, uh, you went deep on me. You got me. Uh, but I thought you said it too. Oh, my eyes rest in my head. Yep, my head rests on my. My neck is attached to my shoulders. Okay. So, so, so God is going to now communicate not just the structure so that everyone understands it clearly. He's also going to communicate the intent. What do I want you to experience as a result of observing my laws? And he, and he actually says that all the laws rest on, hang on, depend on two laws. In Matthew 22, the Pharisees try to gather together and they ask Jesus uh, a question. They're trying, to, they're trying to catch him, all right? They're trying, they, they say, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus responds in chapter 22, starting with verse 37. He says this, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And catch, catch verse 40. On these two commandments depend all the laws and the prophets. Okay? All the laws and the prophets. So if we could, if we could, if I could give you a, a, another image besides those two that are, hit me with those two. So that, that, almost all the laws come back to those. But it's almost as if uh, those two are the foundation. The Ten Commandments is the next foundation. And then you have 601 small laws that are like kind of in doing life. How do you go about it? That build upon those. But all things trickle back down to the two. Just as my my eyes rest in my head, the Ten Commandments are going to rest on these two. Loving God and loving each other. And so, uh, the intent is that you would know and I would know how to worship God. But we, we, live in a, we live in an age that is very different when we look at the law. Like, for the most part, people don't look at the law and say, I welcome regulation. I look forward to being told what to do. I'm excited to have uh, these parameters placed around me. Actually, we live in the opposite. We live in a, we live in a, in a society today that says, if the law isn't clear, then I get off. All right? So, so I actually had this take place in our home one day where one of my kids said, hey, man, don't hit them. Then one of my kids put, like, uh, kicked them. And I'm like, hey, what you doing? They're like, you said don't hit them. <laughs> I didn't hit him, I kicked him. See that that in our society, that's called a that's called a loophole, right? Where where there's a clear law, but then you can skirt the law because it wasn't clear enough uh, exactly what behavior you were gonna model, and so you can find a way around it because your behavior wasn't exactly what the law said. You see, you were considered a fool if that's the way you approach things in, in the biblical times, okay? If, if, if someone tried to show the exception of why, the, why it doesn't apply, the, the, the biblical judge would simply say, but brother, is that loving your brother well? 
sister, are you honoring God? That, that's, you, you, you're, you're trying to evade the issue, which is how are you using the law to celebrate and worship God versus using the law to get what you want? And it's sad because we live, we live in a day and age where loopholes abound, okay? Where people find ways to kind of get around the law pretty often. There's uh, this thing called squatter's rights. You know, there was a time where, where I could shake your hand and that handshake meant a transaction was taking place. We just, thank you, we just, I bought your land, you sold it to me, it, 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 it's all official. I worked the land for 30, 40 years, it's my land. But somehow, the exchange of deeds and everything else didn't take place down at the city, didn't place, take place at town hall. And so all of a sudden, you had people who, who's, who would be owning and working and living on land all of a sudden have their land taken because of a small technicality. So we created a law called squatter's rights. Then they let our brother get a hold of the law. And once, once folks in Lansing, Ann Arbor, Detroit heard about this squatter's rights, you had some people abuse it. So then you had people like, oh, I found a loophole. Now I can go sit in somebody's house while they're gone on vacation. When they come back, I can say the house is mine. Squatter's rights. Loopholes. If, 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 if I can tell you, I mean, we, we know a guy who's a tax attorney, and he gets paid to find loopholes in the tax system to save his clients money. Like, these loopholes abound. And, and I, why am I pointing them out? Because God does not want a people whose hearts will break to try to look for the exception to how they can live outside of God's laws, but actually a people who says, no, Lord, I, I want to worship you through celebrating the beauty of your law. And so I'm going I'm to take a, a little bit of a risk here because as we continue to talk about cultural matters and race relations, uh, there's, some, there's some loopholes that I think black people feel exist within our society as it relates to whites. Uh, as we're talking about uh, some of the different um, incidents that have ha- happened with police, uh, police uh, saying that a gun is present seems to be a loophole enough not to have to uh, go through the proper channels of being indicted or prosecuted. So black people feel like, man, one, one of the loopholes is simply the presence of a gun. And so when we look at a, a Tamir Rice who's a child and has a gun present and then he's killed, we're like, wait a minute, we know guns are, toy guns are everywhere, right? Black kids have toy guns, white kids have toy guns. But somehow, the the presence of a gun seems to be enough for a prosecution not to happen. The same as we look at Alton Steerling and Philando, uh, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name right, Castile. Uh, uh, The very presence of the gun means automatically that there's there's uh, an injustice that has happened. And we can talk about it later and debate, but I'm, I'm trying to make sure I give you an understanding to some of the, some of the sentiment that, that, that African Americans feel in the nation. 
Another one, uh, just, just to give you a, an example of a loophole that at times can, can seem to be, be present, you know, there's a good old boy system. Uh, you, you, if, if your parents went to a, an Ivy League school, uh, you can get entrance and acceptance into that school because of your parents. You could be not that, that intelligent. It's, it's not, it doesn't have to be based on all that you bring, but because of what your daddy or your mom has done, your acceptance, your application has more weight. So then when we step back and we look across our nation and we see in roles of government, engineering, medicine, law, every profession that there is in our country, there's a lack of representation of black people. And we come up with this concept called affirmative action. And we say, well, man, we're not saying give people jobs, give people the opportunity to pursue jobs, what, based on, based on their color, because there's an absence of it, but it is based on their color. All of a sudden, one good old boy system is favorable and celebrated. Affirmative action gets challenged every two years in Supreme Court. I don't see anybody challenging the good old boy system. Why? Because there's a loophole that it seems like it's okay here and not here. Why, why do I share those things? Because when you hear something like, like police brutality, you, think, you may think if you're white that, that African Americans are frustrated with one thing, it's, but it's kind of like a system of loopholes and that just seems to be one more, you know? And, and as we do life here as a body, like, my goal is that we would say, man, but we got a holy God who doesn't care about loopholes. From day one, his, his desire was that all people would say, loophole, that's crazy. I want to worship you through celebrating the beauty of who you are through observing your law. So even if a person gets over on a lip, loophole, it's still got to answer to a holy God. It's still got to answer to a loving God. And so, we finally get to chapter 20, verse 1 of Exodus. <laughs> and uh, God himself spoke these words. It is, a, it is a, a, a different approach. It is a different experience. It is a, a different response of this holy God. This holy God you, you, you got to remember, during this time, there's a lot of little God, little G, little gods around that people are worshiping. And you have people interpreting what their little gods say. You have people trying to read all types of different, uh, um, you know, uh, shaking the dice, trying to read and interpret stuff. You don't have present in that time a God who comes down, speaks, auditory, speaks in an auditory fashion, and all the people understand it. This God is saying, I'm different than anything else that has happened. I am Yahweh. And his, and his words terrify them. His words, as he's speaking this, the beautiful language of love through his law to say, I want you to understand my, 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 with clarity what I'm asking of you, but I also want you to understand my intent is for you to be able to worship me. As he speaks that, it's terrifying to them. And I've seen, I've seen that terror. You and I have seen that kind of like, that, that, that fatherly uh, uh, anger for the child's good come out. 
You know, where a dad, you hear the bass drop in his voice. You see the, the face get red. You see the, the focus of his eyes get so intent. And then he yells, come here. And you might be like me in that even you pause and stop because you're like, uh-oh, somebody in trouble. <laughs> but, but, but that charge is the dad who's yelling at his son to come because his son's about to run into the street. His son's running into harm. And just because his voice is forceful, just because his voice emotes fear, doesn't mean that his voice is seeking to harm. It's a voice out of love. It's a voice that is speaking to his people, and it sounds as if it's thundering and lightning. The people are scared, but yet this holy God is speaking for their good to communicate his love. He reminds them, in verse 2, reminds them that he is the God that saved them from the Egyptians. He is the God that saved them from slavery. And so, as as he has done this miraculous work, uh, it's assumed that they're going to respond out of, of, as Dr. Stewart says, a, a moral obligation. You see, during that era, if you did something amazing for me, if you saved me, if you did a, an act that, uh, that saved my life, I would then morally be, a, be obligated to respond to you uh, in, in a way of thanks. I would be morally obligated to be committed to say, okay, you did this for me, now tell me, what can I do for you? You saved me, now let me respond in showing my thanks. What can I do for you? And so as God is speaking and telling them, hey, I saved you out of Egypt, almost inherent in that is, I saved you. Now how are you going to show me your thanks? How are you going to show me your thanks? And so as we look at the, the, the first two verses, and some of our, our church family is kind of like, what is going on here? Because I don't think we've had uh, just two verses be the focus of our scripture ever. <laughs> Some of y'all have stood up for about 15 minutes as we covered like 40 verses. verses. But, but what we wanted to do is set the backdrop so that you would understand the beauty of the law. So as we come to things next week like not coveting, like not stealing, you come at it with the right heart. You understand the intent. The intent is for you to worship the Lord by celebrating what your brother has, you know? It's not for you to say, well, actually, Lord, I didn't steal what De'Ara had. I just borrowed it for a while. I was going to give it back, though. No. <laughs> no loopholes. No, this is, a, this, is an, a, this is an opportunity to worship through the clarity of the law. So I, I got just a couple questions. Do you look at rules and consider what you can get away with? If, if so, then the law of our nation, it might not catch you. The law of our society might not catch you. But God doesn't look favorably upon that. Actually, God takes it to the next level. In Hebrews 8.26, also in 10.26, uh, excuse me, Hebrews 8.26, um, he, he communicates now that the Holy Spirit 
has written the law on our hearts. So just as there was no loopholes then, during Exodus time, there's also no loopholes now. Because now we have the beauty of God's law written upon our hearts. So the law came to, to, to help us regulate how to love God, how to love one another. The structure of the covenant is, is seeking to provide clarity to the people of God as to what God expects of them. The law intends to cover all matters so that people wouldn't be able to try to get out of God's desire for them to worship him fully. And though laws at times in our day might feel restrictive, uh, God was trying to care for his people and actually provide them guidance in how to love him well. You and I have both uh, been given an opportunity. This, this, this God that we're talking about that provided laws to the people of Israel, that was a time frame, and some of you are going to say, hey, that was Old Testament, we're in New Testament times. Yes, I get that. But Jesus says he came to fulfill the law. So we can't just ignore the Old Testament because we live in a New Testament time, all right? We need to be able to understand what was happening to the people of Israel during that time period, that it would influence our worship today. But today, God's doing the same thing. He's saying, hey, I saved them from the bondage of slavery with Egypt. I'm saving you from the bondage of slavery to sin. How will you respond? Will you allow the beauty of God's Holy Spirit to write how you can worship him upon your heart? If you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, then that takes place. But if you're still wrestling with this God or who he is or if you want to serve him, then I want to say right now, you're trying to establish your own rules of how to love. And, it's, and, it, and it doesn't work out well for you. Mac family, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that your law is clear as you've established covenants. We're thankful that we are a part of uh, your kingdom. We have now become your kingdom advancers. But we pray for those that are in the room that, that don't love you and are trying to make up their own rules as they go. And when they get frustrated that their rules don't trump other people's rules, would you guide them back to you, Lord, who, who's made a, a, a code of conduct for the earth that leads us towards harmony and peace? God, we pray for, um, we pray, Lord, for uh, your people to be excited about bringing you joy as you've communicated in your scriptures. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.